You're listening to Southside Baptist Church Podcast with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Parker. For more audio content, please refer to our website at ssbaptistchurch.com. Good to see you here today. We've been in a series called Worried, and I've titled the message today, Fear God and Don't Worry. Fear God and Don't Worry. And I want you to take your Bibles and real quickly, one verse of Scripture, Genesis chapter Genesis chapter 20, verse 11. Um, Not that we're going to be spending any time there, but just to read one statement that is made by Abraham, and then we're going to move from there. Don't worry, fear God. I don't know if you know this name. There's a name, Jamie Coots. He is a Kentucky pastor who was killed by a rattlesnake. Have you seen that on the news? It's been a little while back. In a ritual of handling poisonous snakes, and it's kind of a, what I believe is a poor theological position, a poor improper interpretation of Mark chapter 16, verse 18. But anyway, this is a group of people who handle poisonous snakes and, and do this as a way of, of, of practicing out that passage of Scripture. Anyway, Jamie Coots, this Kentucky pastor, while handling a rattlesnake, got bit, went home, and eventually died. I was looking at this past week at that event, and and I came across something that I thought was interesting. His 21-year-old son, whose name is Cody Coots, has taken over the leadership of that church. He is now handling the same rattlesnake that killed his dad. Now, let me say something. Before you judge him, let me remind some of you in this room, some parents in this room, that you may be doing the same thing. You're handling a a sin. You're handling a stronghold. You're handling an addiction. You're handling something in your life that sooner or later will affect the life of your children. So you need to listen very closely. But anyway, uh, this young man, Cody Coots, made this statement when he was asked about this. He said, for me to step down on those things that my dad taught me, he said, well, I don't know if, if he wouldn't come back out of his grave and slap me across the face. That's how much I believe. That's how much he believed in it. I mean, he was strong in it. Now, I'm reading his words. I mean, he was strong in it. He believed in it. That is the handling of poisonous snakes. He believed in it enough. He died for it. So I won't step down for anyone. Now, he was implying his own son, who was a toddler. Now, I want you to look at Genesis chapter 20, verse 11, because Abimelech makes a statement, and we're going, I mean, uh, Abraham makes a statement as he's in a strange land, and he says in Genesis chapter 20, now he's moved down to the region of the Negev. He is living in an an area called Kadesh, Kadesh Barnea. It was kind of the boundary between the the, the promised land and the wilderness wandering here. So he's gone down, down there because of, because of famine, because of difficulty. And while he's there, he makes this statement. Genesis chapter 20, verse 11. Are you there yet? Say amen. 
you're going to need your Bibles today. So you need, to, you need to get with somebody who has a Bible if you don't have one. Abraham replied, I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. But I want you to look at the first part of that. Abraham replied, now he's in a place called Gerar in a place around Kadesh Barnea and he makes this statement about this place. He says, I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place. Now that's a powerful statement. And I want you and I to think about that for a minute because I'm going to be talking about today, about the fear of the Lord. And is there some things, you know, we've been talking a lot about being worried, about being anxious, about being filled with fear and worried about this, what if this this happens or that happens, uh, controlling things that we cannot control. We've talked a lot about that. But is there something that you and I need to fear? Is there something that is the quality of fear the characteristic of fear, necessarily a bad thing. In fact, I wrote this down. Is there some things that we are called upon to fear and to not do so may bring harm? You see, the reality is that Jamie Coots, because of his interpretation of Mark chapter 16, verse 18, a misinterpretation and a poor theology not only resulted in his death, But now he must look back from eternity and see his son carrying out the same poor theology, the same poor belief. In other words, dad didn't, dad wasn't afraid of a poisonous snake and either is his son. And what this young man was saying, Cody Coots was saying, and neither will my son be. But are there some things in your life and in my life that we are called to fear and when we choose not to, it brings heartache not only in our life, but it brings heartache into the lives of people that we love. In fact, let's put it this way. If we choose not to fear, do we affect the lives of those people that we love and especially in the idea of fearing God? Now, I, I, let, me, let me say this. I spent two solid days in the Hebrew and the Greek, looking at this idea of fear, the fear of the Lord. And I'll I'll be honest with you, it was a long tedious, so you're going to have to listen very closely, because I believe that the greatest problem in America today is a lack of the fear of God. Would you agree? There doesn't seem to be a fear of God today. We fear things, listen, even in the church, we fear things that we shouldn't fear, and we don't fear the one thing that we ought to fear. Now, when I say that, a lot of times Christians get nervous. They, they begin to think, well, you know, 1 John 4, 18 says, perfect love drives out all fear. Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, Paul said that, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. But let me ask you something. Are we misinterpreting those passages there? And does God not require out of us not only His love, not only His respect, awe, and worship, but even that of fear? What is the fear of the Lord? What does it mean? How important is it in your life and in my life? How does it affect how we think, how we live our life? So this morning I want to define it. I want to give you some examples and I want to give you the the benefits of incorporating the fear of God into your life and the danger when we don't. Are you ready? Number one, 
Let me give you a biblical definition of the fear of God. And, and, and what does it mean? In fact, in the Hebrew here, the word yirah, yirah, the, the noun form here that is used in Isaiah 11, chapter, and, and, and chapter 11, Isaiah uh, verse 3. Listen to what Isaiah 11 verse 3 says. He says, delight in the fear, and he uses the word there, yirah, which is the noun form, Delight in the fear of the Lord. In other words, you and I are called to delight in that fear of the Lord. Now that's a strange word there. That's a strange thought. He uses another word in the Hebrew. It is the word yare, yare, yare. It is the verb form here and it's used by Jonah. In Jonah chapter 1 verse 9, Jonah says, and you don't need to turn to all these, Jonah makes this statement. You remember he's running from God. He's on a boat going in the opposite direction of God's will. And in Jonah chapter 1 verse 9, Jonah says, I am, when, he's, when he's explaining to the sailors, when they drag him up out of the belly of the ship and say, listen, we're in the middle of a storm. We think this is the result of somebody making God upset or making God angry. Who is it? The lot fell on Jonah, you remember? And when they asked Jonah, Jonah said these words. He said, I am a Hebrew and I worship Yare, Yare, the, uh, the, uh, here it is, the verb, which means to fear. Jonah said, I fear or I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. So here you have Jonah saying, I worship or I fear the Lord. And he uses a Hebrew word here that seems to imply something the very opposite of what he's doing. In fact, Jonah said he feared God when in reality at that moment he was rebelling against God. I believe that was confusing to the other sailors. I believe that, you know, I think that's what you and I do sometimes. I think sometimes we say, listen, I'm a Christian, I'm a child of God, I'm saved, I know that I'm a saved, I'm a member of such and such a church. But if you and I are living with no fear of God, no reverence, no respect, no worship, if we're living in disobedience to the clear word and the command of God, then we confuse a lost world. A lost world doesn't understand that. You see, when Jonah said, I'm a Hebrew, I am a Hebrew, and I worship, revere, fear, respect God, and that's why I'm living in disobedience. It was confusing. So this biblical idea of fear, and I want you to stay with me here, is the picture of reverence, respect, worship, awe, and fear. Now let me give you an example. When Sheila and I and our kids went to Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe, we were living in Zimbabwe and we went to Victoria Falls. Now, Victoria Falls is one of the seven natural wonders of the world. When you get there, literally, this is no joke, they say, well, the, the Africans even have a word for it. it is, it's the idea of the ground shaking. It's like thunder, constant thunder. You've got this massive waterfall that is the widest waterfall in the world that is plumbing and plummeting. The Zambezi River is plummeting down into this chasm. When it goes down in, it shakes the earth and catapults the water back up over your head. In fact, you get drenched as you're observing it. 
So here we were with four small children, and we are approaching one of the seven natural wonders of the world. Now listen, when you come to the edge of Victoria Falls, there are no lawsuits, no Richard Swartz. You ain't gonna, you fall in, that's it. Don't call your lawyer, they don't care. You know, there's no lawsuits and all of that. They've got a little twig, little vine-like barrier there along the chasm that literally, you've dropped, you die. I mean, there's no survivors. This is not like the Niagara Falls and going over in a barrel. So, so here we were coming to something that in all honesty was so majestic, so awe-inspiring. The ground is shaking under us. The, 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 the vapors are falling back down. We're soaked. We're drenched. Sheila and I are clinging to our children, warning them while at the same time in absolute amazement. I remember carrying my dad on a safari when he came to visit and I carried him to Victoria Falls. We walked around a corner there where you could see a portion of the falls. My dad, I was born in Niagara Falls, New York, so my, my dad had lived in Niagara Falls and so when we came around there, my dad looked and he said, well, son, this is not much more than Niagara Falls. I said, come on, Dad, walk a little bit farther. All of a sudden, we walked a little bit farther, and as far as you could see, you could just see nothing but waterfall. It was unbelievable. Now, hear me. You Listen, that's exactly what the Bible talks about when it talks about fear. When you and I are in fear, when we are in reverence, when we are in awe, when we are in respect, the picture here is the picture of just absolutely being exhilarated with respect and awe, and we're led to worship. Listen, we were led to worship. So it is critical here that you and I understand this. You know, I thank God that we have people who lead our worship like they do. Don't you? You know, Jeffrey, he's the kind of worship leader. If you and I are in here doing a little dog and pony show and our hearts are not in it, I can tell you what he'll do. He'll just set his guitar off and walk off the platform. Jeffrey refuses to be a part of hypocrisy. And I thank God for that. I love my son for that. And I thank God today that when Jana came up here, Jana began by warning you and I not to frivolously or lightly come in here as if we are just apathetic and indifferent to worship. And she began to share her heart, her passion for God, and she began to challenge us to join in with her and to worship. When you come to Victoria Falls, you cannot help but be enamored and enthralled with the power of it. It is unbelievable. Let me say this. God has called you and I to feel the same way about Him. Are you enthralled by the power and the presence of God in your life? You see, sometimes today our problem is our fear and our worry. Our fear is warped. I've got a little creek out back behind my house. Can you imagine if I walked out to that creek and took my little grandson and said, oh, and that, oh, that's scary. I mean, just a little trickling creek. He'd say, well, that's silly. That's ridiculous. You've seen one of the seven natural wonders of the world. You've seen Victoria Falls. Where, but imagine if Ledge and I were there. And Ledge and I have stood at the creek. In fact, at one point, I did this. There is a crevice in the rock, a cleft in the rock. There on, on this massive waterfall, Sheila's screaming, don't get so close, get back, get back. You know, kids thought I was getting ready to plummet. But I knew because missionaries had told me you could actually work your way and go to a point 
and actually crawled down in a cleft in a crevice and I held a video camera and I shot straight down in to Victoria Falls. Soaking wet, sitting there, slippery rock, cradled in that crevice and taking a picture, taking video of that, of that massive beautiful scene but imagine imagine if I walked out to the creek out back and was just that enamored or more enamored and enthralled you see that's what you and I look like when we worry about the non-essential nothing stuff that we so easily get caught up in we are afraid and fearful of something that God's sitting there scratching his head and going look at me you want to be worried you want to have fear you want to have respect you want to have all you want to worship you just look at me and see me in all my majesty and in all my glory you see yare that verb form of that hebrew word that was all inclusive it it, it it was not only a picture of fear but it was love awe reverence worship respect and listen to this the bible commands you and i as parents to teach the fear of the lord to our children now, let me give you this example. So number two, a parental responsibility is to teach the fear of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. What do you think will eventually happen to Cody Coots? He is the son of Jamie Coots. He's handling the same rattlesnake. What do you think is going to eventually happen to him? He's going to die, just exactly the way his dad did. Now, he's got a toddler son. I don't know his name, but what do you think is going to happen to the grandson of Jamie Coots and the son of Cody Coots. What do you think is going to happen to him when he gets old enough? He's going to die too. In fact, if the snake lives, the snake's going to get all three generations. Now, I want parents to listen to me closely because the reality is sin in your life and in my life is often a lack of the, it is often the result of a lack of the fear of God in our life. We are playing with certain sins, certain behaviors, certain addictions, certain problems, and we think that God's going to make some kind of exception. You see, what we've done, we have twisted and distorted the love of God, and we forgot the fear of God. There's a great danger there. Let me give you something to think about. Listen to this quote. Parents, listen to this, especially young children. Generational sin is usually due to the failure to incorporate a proper and biblical view of the fear of the Lord into the life of our children. We live with generational sin, habitual strongholds, behaviors, sinful patterns, addictions because, listen to this, because we abuse the love of God. Now that's a powerful statement there. Let me repeat it again. Generational sin is usually due to the failure to incorporate a proper and biblical view of the fear of God or the fear of the Lord into our children's lives. We live with generational sin, habitual strongholds, behavior, sinful patterns, addictions, because we abuse the love of God. In other words, what happens is we bank on the love of God and we forget the fear of God, the fear of the Lord. Look with me. Look at Deuteronomy. Take a right from Genesis and go to Deuteronomy because, parents, I want you to see this today. Deuteronomy chapter 4. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 10, watch what, watch what uh, Moses says to the Hebrew people, the nation of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 10, he says this. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 10,
He says in verse 10, he said, Remember the day you stood... uh, Let me see. Okay, remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn. And you see that word revere? That is the word fear in the Hebrew. So that they may learn to fear me as long as they live in the land and may what? And may teach them to their children. You see, what he was saying was, is that fear, respect, honor, that these qualities are taught to our children. Let me give you an example. A lot of times what we'll hear today, we hear a lot of people talking about the love of God. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. I believe in the love of God, and don't, don't mistake in what I'm preaching right now. I thank God for the love of God. But do you know that we're also commanded to fear God and to teach that to our children? You see, in fact, look at, look at Deuteronomy 5, 9. In Deuteronomy chapter... Listen, this was so overwhelming a subject that it's difficult for me to preach it because it's just so much content here. And let me stop and say again, the problem is, is there is a quality of the character of God. It is the love of God that's been kidnapped by a fallen, depraved world. And sometimes what we think when we're teaching children the love of God, we forget to teach them the fear of God. We're a nation today that talks a lot about the love of God, but you never hear us talking about the fear of God. Why? Because we, listen, we don't believe in the fear of God. You can tell by the way we live. You don't believe that? Watch the... Watch the uh, Oscars tonight, the Academy Awards. Now watch in in, in Deuteronomy 5.29. Moses goes on to say, he says, Oh, that their hearts... Now this is God speaking, verse 28. The Lord heard you when you spoke to me, and the Lord said to me, I have heard what this people said to you. Everything they said was good. Now listen to this. This is the word of God. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to what? If you've got the NIV there, it says to fear. Oh, that their hearts, he uses yare, he uses that Hebrew word that, that, is, that is in the verb form. He's talking here about fearing God as if it's an act of obedience. In Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 5.29, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me, keep all my commandments always so that it might go, listen to this, so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 1. He says, these are the commands, decrees, laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess so that your children, you, your children, and their children after them may what? May fear the Lord your God, how long? As long as you live by what? By keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and look at this, so that you may what? So that you may enjoy life. Look at verse 13. Fear the Lord your God, serve Him only, take your oaths in His name. Look at at verse 24. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to what? And to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as in the case today. You see, repeat it. Look look at verse 25. And if we are careful, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 25. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as He has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Repeatedly, the Bible said, listen, you and I, parents, we're not only fearing God, we're not only to fear God, we're to teach that quality into the life of our children. Fear God. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 31. This is Bible drillers today. 
In, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 12 and 13, watch again. Here again, uh, Deuteronomy, Moses is speaking to the nation of Israel. This is Joshua now beginning to take over the leadership. Watch what, watch what in uh, Deuteronomy 31, 12. Assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the aliens living in your towns so that they can listen, now watch this, and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully. Note the order. Over and over again, you'll see a certain order here so that they can listen, they can learn to fear the Lord your God and what? And follow carefully all the words of this law. Their children who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you're crossing the Jordan to possess. What does it mean? What is the Bible saying to you and I? You mean to tell me that I'm to fear the Lord? Yes. Let me give you an example. My dad is 84 years old. Now, my dad would do anything possibly he could do to help me in any way. My dad loves me. I know my dad loves me. My dad died for me. But even at 84 years of age, though I love my dad, I also fear my dad. You see, parent, there's a quality here of not just respect, awe, worship. There's not just that quality of a parent loving their child. They're also teaching their child to respect their authority, their position, and at times, if it comes to it, even to fear the parent. Let me, let me take it a step farther because you... Well, before we do that, look at Joshua. Just go on to the next, uh, next book after Deuteronomy. Look at Joshua chapter 20, 24. Men, look at Joshua 24 verse 15. A verse all men. Boy, men, they get all pompous and they get really full of themselves when they read this verse. Men love this verse. In fact, I wrote this down. Let me, let me make this quote and then I want to read this. If there's anything other than the love of God that I would desire and must teach to my children, and even my grandchildren, is the fear of God. Look at Joshua 24, verse 15. Now, Joshua, again, he's got the people assembled together, the nation of Israel, they're about to go into the promised land, take possession of the land. Joshua says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you'll serve whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are dwelling. Now here's where men, boy, they get men, they kind of sit up real straight and they kind of pump their chest back and boy, they get full of themselves. But as for, listen to that, but as for me and my house, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now every man gets excited when he reads that and he thinks, man, that's, a, that's the kind of man, that's the kind of leader that I want to be. But look at verse 14. Now fear the Lord. Now watch this. Note the order again. Now fear the Lord. Serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this, this day whom you'll serve, whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're dwelling. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Isn't it interesting there? So parent, why do we teach our children to fear the Lord? I want you to think about this. I'm going to give it to you. Number one, we're commanded to do so. And you'll see it all the way through the Bible. The Bible commands us, fear the Lord. Number two, listen to this. God's love is not apathy and indifference. 
You see, God's not looking the other way, winking at sin and saying, well, boys will be boys. You see, sometimes you and I get so caught up in the love of God, we think, you know, God loves me so much that God just kind of winks at our sin. He just kind of turns his head. He he doesn't look our way. It, It is not positive affirmation that God is trying to give us while we're living in willful and defiant disobedience. Listen, sometimes we need to understand, though God loves us, God also, and though we love God, God wants us to fear Him. Number three, we teach our children to love God and to fear Him. To grasp because we are His child, He will and is capable of disciplining us. Look at Hebrews, turn all the way over to the New Testament. We're closing in a few moments, but look at Ephesians, I meant uh, Hebrews chapter 5. I may be rambling today, but we'll get it worked out. Hebrews, Hebrews uh, chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12, verses 5 through 11. Watch this. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, he said, the writer here says, And you have forgotten that, that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My sons do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, rebukes you, because the Lord, now watch this, because the Lord disciplines who? Those he loves. He punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as a son or as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and you are not true sons of God. Moreover, we have all human fathers who discipline us and we respect it. And in the Greek, the word phobos is the word for fear. And that word is is the word we get our word phobia. So the idea here is, moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us. We respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may... Now watch this. That we may do what? that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. In other words, what the Bible makes it clear over and over again is that God is in the process of disciplining, training, and molding us and conforming us into His Son. And because of that, listen, God not only loves us, but God also wants... He not only desires our love, He also desires our fear. What do you mean? Fear is the idea of reverence, respect, awe, and worship. You see, sometimes I obey God most of the time because I love God and I know God loves me. I don't want to disappoint God. You see, when I get caught up in sin, some kind of behavior, or I do something, I know deep within my heart I come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. In that moment, I'm ashamed. I'm feeling guilty. I'm convicted. Listen, I'm driven down to my knees. I'm sad because I have disappointed the heart of God. James Renrick who was, a, who was a, uh, out of the Reformation there in Scotland. He said, there's two things he said I fear. He said, one, I fear sin. Do you fear sin? 
He said, the second thing I fear is God turning His head away from me. Do you realize that when you and I are living in habitual, willful disobedience, do you realize that when you and I get caught up in sin, that is a picture of you and I not fearing God. We're not fearing God. We're not fearing the recourse of God. We think, listen, God, you love me so much that you're just going to wink. You're just going to smile and say, well, boys, we'll be boys. Look at Jeff. Well, that's all right. He's only human. He may be only human, but he's filled with God's Holy Spirit. And I can tell you sometimes there is in my soul when I'm living in disobedience, when I've done something wrong, I come under the conviction of God's Holy Spirit and in that moment I am grieved because I'm grieving, and I'm grieving the Holy Spirit and in that moment I'm feeling sad within my heart. But I know this too. God says, listen son, if you don't get that, if you don't get, if you don't confess that, if you don't repent of it, and you don't turn away from it, son, I'm going to wear your butt out. You see, there's also that quality in me that says, hey, I don't want to disappoint God. God loves me too much, but I'm also afraid of God. There's a healthy fear of God in my life. I'm afraid of God, what God might do to bring me to a point of repentance. Are you today afraid of what God might do to bring you to repentance? Let me give you an example. If you look, in fact, in fact, I said this, when your kids turn teenagers, you ought to put on every mirror, every door of this verse, Hebrews 10, 31. Look at Hebrews 10.31. This is a frightening verse here to me. It is, listen to this. Now it says right before that, for we, verse 30, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 30, for we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge who? Who will the Lord judge? Who? He's going to judge us. Listen, I don't go over and spank the neighbor's kids. In raising my kids, I discipline my children. This is what the writer of Hebrews was telling us. God disciplines us because He loves us. So the writer here says, the Lord will judge His people. Now look at verse 31. It ought to be on every... It ought to be... Listen, it ought to be required when your children especially turn teenager. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of what? Of the living God. You see, if there's no discipline, then you're not God's child. If you can live in habitual, willful disobedience and you're not convicted by that, you don't come to a point of repentance, you just bank on the love of God, you know God loves me, He's just going to turn His head, He's going to wink, He just smiles. Hey, listen, I can do that, nothing happens to me. My friend, let me remind you of something. First of all, there's not the fear of the Lord and you're probably not His child. Look at Galatians 6 and then we'll close here. Look at Galatians, take a left from Hebrews and go to Galatians chapter 6. And in Galatians chapter 6, watch what Paul says here, verse 7 and 8, and then we'll close. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 6, 7 and 8. Paul says this, he says, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. Now, let me say this. Paul is writing to a church. He's writing to Christians. He's saying to you and I, listen, he's saying, listen, God loves you, but I want you to understand this, God is perfectly prepared to discipline you. Now, watch what he says here, and me. Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. 
a man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Do you see it? In other words, there's a process. Let me give it to you real quickly. Number one, God gives you and I a choice. He gives us freedom. He says, listen, you're my child. Yes, I love you. But I'm giving you the freedom to make every choice that you make. So you and I make choices every single day of our life. Secondly, with that freedom comes choices. Thirdly, with those choices come consequences. Fourth, with those consequences comes a crop, a harvest. And fifth, if you and I have sown to the flesh then my friend, the Bible says that you and I will come under the discipline of God. God's going to discipline us. Now, I don't know about you, but as a good parent, in raising my kids, I had no problem with my children having a measure of respect, fear of dad. I was telling them in Sunday school one time, we were talking about promiscuity. My two daughters were sitting at the table, and they finally looked at me, and they looked at each other, and they said, Dad i tell you why we weren't promiscuous. Because we were afraid of you. You see, every member of this church knows that I love my four kids. You know I love them more than my own life and I'd die for them and not even think twice. You see, my daughters know that. They know their dad loves them. But they also know this. They, even though they love me and they know I love them... They also need to fear me. It is a good, healthy quality. It's part of who God, how God has made us. In fact, in Galatians 6, 7, and 8, God says, listen, I love you, but I won't... Listen to what God says to His kids. I won't let you live that way. You know what God will do? Man, I can remember my mom. My mom, bless her heart, she's in heaven now. But I can remember I'd get in trouble and my mom be coming after me. And I would run, and we had towel floors, and I could slide and go up under the bed. I mean, I did, man. I had it down to a fine art. Boy, I'd slide. It looked like I was going into home plate. I'd slide, and I'd go all the way in, up under the bed, all the way up against the wall, and then I'd get real quiet. And I'd hear her walking around calling my name. And then finally, all of a sudden, I'd see her face. <laughs> now, I want you to know something. You know what mom would do? Mom would get down there. She'd get down there, she'd crawl up under the bed with me and she'd start to pull me out. And man, I'd be hanging on for dear life, she'd pull me out. And then we'd do the merry-go-round. You know what the merry-go-round is? You remember that? That's where mama's holding one hand, you're trying to get away, she's got a switch, and you've got them bare legs, and she's, listen, it'd turn America around if we had some good, healthy fear. You see, in that moment, if you said, do you know your mom loves Yes, I know my mom loves But right now, I, even though I love my mom and I know my mom loves me, right now I fear her. You see, Sheila used to do it all the time. She'd say, wait till your dad gets home. I, I've got to close, and, and literally, in all honesty, I probably have blown this message because it was so much material and seem to be so scattered. But I can tell you this much. If there is a quality you and I had better incorporate into our lives, and if there's a quality we had better incorporate into the average church, and if there's a quality that the world needs to see in us, they need to see the fear of God.
the fear of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, I know Jesus Christ loves me. I know he gave his life for me. I know God sent his son who paid the penalty of my sin. I know that God loves me so much, God gave his life, sacrificed his all. I know God has written my name in the Lamb's book of life. I know I'm there. But I want you to know something. Do you fear God, brother Jeff? Absolutely, yes, I do. Do you obey out of do you obey out of love or out of fear? Both. I primarily obey out of love. I don't want to disappoint God. I don't want to make him ashamed of me. And it hurts me when I feel him turn his face. Let me ask you this much. Does the presence of God mean anything in your life? Do you even know what it is anymore? You know, when I was down in Tampa and I did a, this TV show with this woman about, the, about my book, she was telling this story about a staff member who left his wife, got involved with another woman, and eventually they broke up their marriages and got together. And, and they were together. And the pastor told her, the pastor called her in and said, listen, you, you know, you just need to, you know, kind of back down a little bit and just let it go. You, you know, what's done is done and move on. But this woman said that she said, you know, she said, I had the hardest time doing that because I didn't see the fear of God in their lives at all. They were living in habitual willful disobedience. They were living in sin and they just absolutely were oblivious to the fear of God. They, they just, they basically were thanking God, you love us too much. She said six months later, all hell was breaking loose in this couple's lives. And she said, uh, she said, you know, she said, I realized something. They came to me. She said, they came back to me and they said, we're in a mess. What do we do? This woman made this statement. I thought it was powerful. She's been with Billy Graham, spoken a lot. She made this statement. She said, you're in your harvest. You are in your harvest. Isn't that something? You know what God's trying to keep you and I out of? A bad harvest. And you know how he does it? He not only does it with his love, he does it with his fear. He said, listen, yeah, I love you, but you better fear me. Because you don't know what I'll do when you're in your harvest to bring you to brokenness and repentance. And you may say, well, I don't feel none of that. I'm partying, man, I'm smoking dope, I'm sleeping around, I've got this girl over here, this guy over here, I'm in a live-in relationship, I'm just living life the way I want to. Hell, I'm having a good time. Well, you use hell all you want because one day that's where you're going to spend eternity. If you're not coming under the conviction of God's Holy Spirit and you're not being disciplined by the Lord, you're not saved. And you may have everybody in this room fooled, but you don't have God. That's what's the problem in the church and that's the problem in America. We don't fear the Lord. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I've done the best I could. Uh, Lord, this has been a difficult sermon. Not one I've enjoyed because, Lord, I whole, would whole lots rather be preaching about the love of God. But Lord, it took me two solid days 
studying this phrase from Genesis to Revelation. And Lord, I know that you love us and you love every person in this room. And if they're saved today, you not only love them, you not only ask that we love you, you also ask that we fear you, that we reverence you, that we worship you, that we stand in awe of you. Lord, if there are people in this room that are lost, then they need to fear you because the judgment will one day come. And when it comes, it will be too late. Lord, there have been times in my life that you've took me to the woodshed. There have been times in my life that, dear Lord, my life would get called up in just little undisciplined habits. And Lord, at times even sin. And Lord, it's in those moments that first I feel a distance. I'm not sharing in your holiness, as the writer of Hebrews said. I'm not sensing your presence and I become alarmed over that. But Lord, there have been times when I've just said, well, that's all right. God loves me. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Uh, I don't necessarily have to have his presence to, to make it. I'm all right. And it's then, God, you take me to the woodshed. Things begin to fall apart. Things begin to go wrong. And all of a sudden, dear God, you remind me, I will never bless disobedience. Now look this way, we're still praying. Did you hear that? He will never bless disobedience. Let's finish. So Lord, we pray right now that your Holy Spirit would convict every man and woman, boy and girl in this room. If these right now are difficult times and they look at their life or any one of us looks at our life and maybe we see things not working out and we look and we realize, God, I'm living in disobedience. God, help me to have a healthy fear, a respect, an awe of you. I've lost that. I've so much banked on your love I forgot that you discipline those you love. God, would you speak to our hearts? Would you draw us close to you? And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.